welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, a podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wanting the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and, well, first things first, for those that are watching the video version, I hope you like the brand new little profile pic of me that you see. Shout out to Madam Bun Bun for once again providing an incredible design once again. I knew I wanted a little bit of an update, and, well, she did a fantastic job with the last one, so why not do it with this one? But enough about me. Let's get to today's star of the show, who certainly knows a thing or two about dealing with a show about a star. Today's guest is Gabe DeValle, a cartoonist and Nintendo nerd who has worked on several incredible animated shows, including recently being the storyboard director for The Patrick Show. This was a genuinely fun and incredible conversation that goes through several different incredible people, incredible characters that... Honestly, I sincerely know you guys are going to absolutely love and enjoy this episode. Also, one last quick thing. Um, This is me while in the middle of editing. Um, I'm going to apologize sincerely for people that do listen to this podcast, Um, especially the background noise. You'll probably pick up on it, but there's a lot of times where you'll catch, like, my sister and her kids uh, in the background. Um, They're young. There's nothing I could do to control that noise out there. It's just going to be there. I sincerely apologize if that ruins your guys' experience. I still think it's a great interview nevertheless, and I sincerely hope that despite the noise that you'll probably hear, you guys do enjoy the conversation I did have with Gabe. Um, it was seriously a great conversation. Um, once again, I'm sincerely sorry for the background noise that you hear. If you enjoy Gabe, make sure you support him with the links down in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that stuff, and I absolutely love it. If you want to go a little bit further with that support, maybe you should consider repping some incredible streetwear from the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com. We have a wealth of incredible designs, including the more recent tagged design done by the incredible Aiden, and I sincerely think you guys would absolutely rock it today. Hey, look, if all you guys are trying to do is find a cool, incredible place where you can meet some incredible artists and develop a fun little community thanks to this podcast, maybe you should consider joining our Discord server, The Artist Sanctuary. We have already developed an incredible group of people there that are sharing incredible art, funny memes, and some good times all together. You should definitely be a part of that group today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. By the way, I just wanted to say, before we actually really get this thing, get the show on the road, I, as I was doing my research or whatnot, I, I noticed there was a, a person that you've had the opportunity to meet that I would die for the opportunity to meet. You actually got to meet uh, Jorge Gutierrez not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I met him at Nickelodeon. He did it. T- well, we should probably talk about this on the show, actually. Um, <laughs> if you want. Um, I met him at Nickelodeon. He did a talk there. And uh, I got to come up to him afterwards, you know, and discuss to him about how much I love his cartoons, El Tigre, Book yes, of Life. Yes. And um, and then he followed me on Instagram, and he said, "Oh, you're the guy who makes those drawings. I love your drawings." And I was like, "Oh, holy crap! Recognize <laughs> That has to be surreal. <laughs> I saw like the the photo that you took with him, and whatnot, and now, now hearing that like he recognized your work or whatnot. Oh, that's a dream come true. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Like I wasn't expecting that, especially because you know I'm not super 
huge online. Like I have like, you know, a little dedicated fan base that I'm very appreciative of. Right. But it's just nice that someone like that acknowledged me. I mean, yeah, never, especially like as someone with the, the quality of work that he seemingly puts out with just about every single project he puts himself into. Like, yeah, <laughs> real recognize real, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm excited for his next project. I think he's doing, um, it's, I think it's a CG thing again. It's with, uh, like a Chihuahua luchador. I think he, he announced it on Facebook recently. Yeah. I think I saw, I think I saw at least like concept images or something like that recently. So, yeah. 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 That, I mean, <laughs> one, I'm a person that loves wrestling, so the luchador aspect is the thing I'm instantly on board for. And secondly, this is Jorge, Jorge Gutierrez that we're talking about here. Like, everything that he's done is, like I said before, top-notch, super-duper quality. So, yeah. If my in the three, that was so amazing. The climax yeah, of that whole thing was nuts. Especially, like, just... Uh, <laughs> Every little intricacy of Maya and the three, just like the the relationship between the characters or whatnot, like the the conflict and the action or whatnot, the animation just gorgeous. Just, I, I'm sure we could have a whole entire episode just talking about him alone. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. I mean, at some point you should try to reach out to him. I mean, it might, it might be you know he's pretty open to talking about stuff. I would, if I can find a way to contact him, I definitely would love to make that make that work. I would love to try to make that a reality. So. <laughs> I, I was gonna say like going through like the questions I have or whatnot. I'm gonna be more focused on the work you have done, not the work that's coming in the forward, uh, coming soon or whatnot. Like, it, like the the closest thing that would be like close to NDA territories if we talk, depending on what we talked about with like the Patrick show or whatnot, like the stuff that you're currently working on or whatnot. Like, I'm not trying to like peer in and try to get like company secrets or anything like that. It's like I want to talk about the work you have put in, how incredible it's been, like your experiences on some of the previous shows you've done before. You know, the, the general like awesome like you're an awesome artist piece thank you yeah, yeah and we can talk a little bit about patrick like my experience on it and stuff. yeah um because i definitely want to talk about that because i'm having a blast on patrick and i really hope people see it when uh i, I can talk a bit about about it because there's some interesting things like for instance i came on because halfway through season one they switched from script driven episodes to board driven okay and so they needed a whole crew of people who knew how to write for for cartoons like these huh I did not realize that. That is, that's awesome to hear more than anything else. Like the fact that they, that's the way I would, like they, they, they realize what they need to do differently with the show. So they really dedicate themselves to bringing in the proper people to do that. That's cool. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So we can talk about that. Cause I'm sure people like to, to hear that. And I, I'm pretty sure they made a, a press piece about that. So I think it's, it's fine to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, gay, before I really get going, I must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast, if I may. Let's mm -hmm. say you get to go to a deserted island on your own accord. It is just you, alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, breathe. You get to truly enjoy yourself a little bit with accommodations. You're not stranded on an island. I, I, I got okay, you over right. there. Right. To help with whatever vibe you want to try to go with, you could bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you. Again, to help with whatever like mindset or whatever vibe you want on your solo vacation at this point. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? Okay, one piece of media, I'd probably bring, like, the the Looney Tunes DVDs, like, the Golden Collection, because, like, Ooh. Looney Tunes are, like, my favorite shorts. Um, and they're just, like, endless wells of inspiration and cartoony goodness. And, you know, I need that regularly throughout my life. 
I mean, that's that's definitely that is definitely a really good pick right there, especially <laughs> like you say, golden era. Like obviously, it's called the golden era for a reason. Like just the uh, insanity, the jokes, the the animation, especially for at the time or whatnot, just looking stunning or whatnot. And, like so many just memorable moments more than anything else. Do you have like a particular like favorite episode or bit or something like that from that golden era? My favorite director from that time is Bob Clampett. He did like the cartooniest of the right. Looney Tunes shorts. Um, so Baby Bottleneck is a good one. That's one of the Daffy and Porky, and they're working at a stork factory with babies. So might be that one, or might be my favorite Bugs Bunny cartoon, Tortoise Wins by a Hair. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Bugs Bunny is like mad as all heck for for once in his life. <laughs> It's like for for the for once in your life, like the tables have turned and you're the one that is being played more than anything else. Or you're and you because he's not used to it, he just like cannot handle it, and it's amazing, and it's animated so beautifully. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. But but nevertheless, but, the but the, the, the uh, yeah. sorry, one that the the golden era of Looney Tunes. That is your answer. You're locking that in. Yeah, I, I think so because like I could watch those again and again. All right, then. Then if that's the case. I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. You can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> He is a cartoonist and Nintendo nerd who works uh, include Mighty Magic Sword, Middlemost Posts, Looney Tunes, and The Patrick Show. Welcome to the podcast, Gabe Del Valle. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Thank you so much for listening. Well, thank you so much for your time uh, to be here today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Just uh, tidied up the office, got my gamer stream all night and nice and organized and everything there we go there we go that's a good mentality to have i mean especially with the stuff you're doing there but more importantly like the stuff you're doing like when it comes to work and the animation that you've done like whenever uh our good friend tipsy jelly whenever she told me that she was able to that you were able to that that you wanted to come on the podcast or whatnot i cannot tell you how over the moon i was especially seeing your work and what you've been able to have a hand in but before we divulge it to the stuff you have been working on i want to go back just a little bit and no mm -hmm. more or less the origin story of gabe what got you interested in art and animation in the first place okay so i grew up in the epic totally radical 90s when mm -hmm. we had you know really great nickelodeon cartoons like rugrats uh ren and stimpy um, Looney Tunes was still on Cartoon Network back then. Yes. So I grew up with all that, and I loved drawing as a kid. And the story my mom always tells me is that one day I came home from, like, kindergarten, and I drew the squirrel. And she says that the squirrel, for, for a kid, it looks really realistic. So my mom was like, you, you're going to be an artist. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> she was an artist. Like, she studied art. She went to art school. Okay. And, like, she had a painting degree, and she worked as... um. She works in advertising as, like, color correction. She's able to, like, match her painting degree to that. But um, because of that, she really supported me throughout my life. And then, like, when I was in middle school and high school, like, I taught myself art through books. I had, like, a blog spot where I had, like, a little community and stuff. Um, and I just kept learning art from there and there. I mean, that's that's incredible, especially knowing that you had that kind of like the strong foundation with your mom, like being in that business more or less in one aspect for another. Like, I imagine if if nothing else, like it really furthered encouraged you to really delve into it whenever, you know, just as a kid, you were just drawing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was doodling all the time and like big inspirations for me, especially like 
when I was in middle school and I was drawing the most, it was like Ren and Stimpy and Invader Zam, like kind of like edgy stuff. Okay, you know, fair, fair. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good thing to more or less lean towards, especially with some of the the art style just of those shows alone. So I have to know when did it go from just like a general love for art and animation to a passion and then wanting to make it your career? I I think it was when um it was around middle school and high school. Like I kind of realized I wasn't good at anything else, <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> put like a lot of my time into like art making and just um teaching myself things um finding advice through blogs just trying to do like 100 percent all my art assignments at school and even like the rinky dink like draw a picture for your math class kind of assignments um i don't think if there's anything else um and then also i remember like i found out what animatics were when i was in high school and like that's a job. Like people like I want at first I wanted to be an animator, but I'm like, oh, that's a lot of drawing. I don't know if I can do it. Mm-hmm. And then I found out animator animatics are like you do most of the drawings, like you draw out the whole cartoon, but you don't have to do every single drawing that appears in every single frame. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I can imagine that kind of realization more than anything else like opened probably a door of opportunities and possibilities for you. Like because I imagine like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like like especially like for me growing up like thinking about like animation like potentially doing stuff like that or just like the movie aspect in general or the tv aspect like it's hard to really realize just how many different parts go into it you know oh yeah no it's it's like a whole factory there's everyone who has like a different role and everyone kind of specializes in their roles like you got storyboard artists you got character designers even like people who just do the colors like Mm -hmm. it's crazy how many different jobs there are in animation it's absolutely insane i mean especially hearing you know how much you were able to, to find the one piece that you wanted to really be a part of and really go all in into that. Like I, if, if the drive wasn't there before you can correct me if I'm wrong, I imagine like realizing there was that animatic artist or whatnot really like lit a fire under you to really be a part of that. It was that. And also just like the satisfaction of like thinking of something in my head and putting it to paper and like, Oh, it's real now. And to me, that's like, that's what it's all about. It's just like, just exploring your imagination. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I have to ask, like, as well as on top of all these other things or whatnot, you know, like hearing that kind of fire that got under you, under you or whatnot, at what point does Nintendo become a part of that life as well? <laughs> okay, so with Nintendo, so I remember when I was really little, um, I went to a friend's house and he had Super Mario 64. Okay. And I was like, what is this? This is so bizarre. And then... Uh, I thought it was neat, but then I went to my cousin's house and he showed me Banjo-Kazooie, which, uh, if you haven't guessed or seen, that's like my favorite game ever. And it was just like the coolest, (laughs) (laughs) it was just like the coolest thing ever. Like everything talks in the game. Uh, all the characters are like really fleshed out personalities. It's just like a cartoon that you play. And, you know, by that time I loved cartoons already. So seeing a cartoon you can play was really mind blowing to me. So like I begged my mom for like. A Nintendo 64. Uh, I got one for Christmas, and I just played the heck out of both Super Mario 64 and Banjo Kazooie, and like those have just that just like cemented <laughs> like a cornerstone of my personality throughout my whole life. I mean, I can absolutely tell, especially with like those two being the cornerstones. Great foundation, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I, I. So, how does one qualify to become a Nintendo nerd, if I may ask? Because I enjoy Nintendo, but I don't know if I'd call myself a nerd. <laughs> Okay, so I think you at least need to beat Super Mario 64 and Banjo-Kazooie. 
Okay. You know what? I'll get started on that. I, I haven't completed either your yet, but I played like I played both of them like several times. They are so much fun. I especially with Banjo Kazooie, I could see how like especially the cartoon aspect. Like that's something that I can only imagine for you. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but like creatively, if nothing else, that has to get like your mind going, like seeing how this cartoon can play out in video game form. Yeah, exactly. And like it, it's just it's a wonderful world. Like there's so many different crazy areas like there's a beach level it's a haunted mansion level it covers mm -hmm. so many themes it's kind of like it feels like an upside down fairy tale like if a fairy tale was done by tex avery or something yes yes that is the i think that's the best way i think anyone's ever described banjo kazooie ever that is incredible right there Ah, <laughs> oh, goodness i i can only imagine especially with like you know finding that love and passion for that like you know, I imagine it creatively drove you a little bit more. Again, you know, seeing some of your art and seeing how you've drawn them in several different ways. You've drawn them, at least, like, I've seen several different pieces that you've done of them. And each and every single one of those Banjo-Kazooie pieces you do, I absolutely love and cannot get enough of. Like, I would love to see, like, you have some, like, official, like, Nintendo work, like, with, like, Banjo-Kazooie stuff. Like, I'd love to see if you could potentially do, like, you know, animated shorts for them someday or something like that. Like, would that be a cool dream for you to work on something with Nintendo for Banjo-Kazooie? I would absolutely love that. Um, if I could get in touch with the right people to do that, I'm like 100% gung-ho to do it. It's just a matter of like, if there is interest on their side. There's definitely interest yeah. on my side. But, but um, Banjo, he's in a weird place right now because, you know, he came back for Smash. He's got this flood of merchandise the past couple of years, and then it's just been radio silence like we don't know if there's going to be a new game on the horizon we don't know what microsoft is thinking of them mm -hmm. so it, he's such a weird place it's like he's back but he's not you know i feel the same i know of a friend and close uh buddy of the podcast uh drags he is a super spyro fan and i feel like you and him would share that same frustration when it comes to like there's all this stuff out there there seems to be a reemergence, but yet there's nothing on the front of like anything new when it comes to games or anything like that yeah 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 like um crash bandicoot too at least there's a crash team rumble coming out for the longest time after crash 4 came out we thought that was gonna be it yeah 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 fair valid <laughs> but you know i i imagine while you know it's incredible to be a fan of you know nintendo stuff like that you know you still had that love and passion for animation obviously that was what you were able to really set forth and really divulge your career into that um and especially like i said you know in the intro with all these different shows you have you have amassed quite a resume if i do say so myself and i am amazed with some of the stuff you've been able to do do you remember some of the first like opportunities or at least like the first like surreal moments for you when you actually got to break into the industry Ooh, okay so I, I guess I should kind of talk a little bit about how like my start in the industry okay so like um I went to an art school called LCAD Laguna College of Art and Design okay um it was a great school like all the dudes there were like old school Disney guys so I learned a lot um and while I was there, I met who I refer to as he that shall not be named, the, the guy who made Ren and Stimpy. Um, at the time, he was doing an internet cartoon that I'm sure many people know about. And um, he liked my work, so I got to, to work on it for a bit. Okay. And then um, I remember, like, going back to the answer to your question, I remember we had a meeting where we showed that to Cartoon Network. It was just really cool like being in the building for the first time and like you know everyone like rebecca sugar pete browngart like seeing oh, the wow. work that they did on the store like in a theater wow that yeah just hearing some of the names you just dropped right there whatnot i mean that 
having that opportunity in the first place had to be just surreal on its own. <laughs> yeah, no, it was amazing. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, despite he shall, shall not be named, it's not like, you know, you had the one opportunity and that was it. I mean, past that, you've had several incredible opportunities working on so many different wonderful shows um, that I've seen several times over. I, one of the ones that I definitely wanted to touch upon, like, super duper quickly, it's a show that I don't think gets enough, like, love for how, like, unique and creative it could be at times. And that's Mighty Magic Sword. How did you get the opportunity to work on that show? Oh, heck yeah, dude. I, I loved working on Mighty Magic Sword. <laughs> so, so, this is what happened. One night... I was doing I was doing my amiibo hunting. I was trying to get to like some place in Hollywood as yeah. a Nintendo nerd does. And I remember traffic was bad. So I was like, screw this, I'll just go to the mall. I go to the mall and um I see a mutual friend of of uh a mutual friend I see Kyle, who's a friend of like my roommate, and he's very distinctive. He's got like these mutton chops, he's got this vest. Right, right. And yeah, so I just started talking to him because we're both at the game store. Uh, and then we followed each other, and he he liked my work. And then um, another friend of mine was a friend from college, actually. He was working on Magiswords, and they were looking for a freelance board artist uh, to take on a board. So I, uh, luckily, because of those two connections, I was able to do a freelance board for them. And I did that, like, on top of my uh, other job. So I was, like, working, like, on the board from, like, 8 to 2 a.m. every night, working weekends like it was tough man like oh my god i, I hope i never have to do that again but <laughs> i um, hope so either for your yeah, sake yeah yeah um but i i turned it in and um they really liked it so they offered me uh, a full-time position on the show and then i got to start working on a mighty magiswords that's incredible to hear more than anything else especially it, it seems like every single time every single time i bring up an instance of something like that like i'm just hearing like yeah i get this opportunity like you seem to just be like at the right place at the right time to be just incredible people to really work the proper job that you need to do if nintendo never made amiibos that opportunity wouldn't have happened <laughs> i know right thank for once thank you nintendo for amiibos <laughs> yeah but dude, like I, I consider so Magiswords was my uh first storyboarding job. Before that I was animating actually. Okay. So I animated for you know, he that shall not be named. We did like some Simpsons intros, we did the Miley Cyrus music video, a bunch of wacky stuff. And then on Magiswords, that was my first storyboarding job. And it's a board driven show, mm -hmm. which means we come up with like the dialogue and the jokes and mainly most of the story from an outline. Like the outline would be as simple as like for Hyas and Vamber need to go to uh, the, the dinosaur village to pick up um, some kind of MacGuffin right. or whatever. So we have, so me as the board artist, we figure out like, okay, what's the exchange that needs to happen between the characters here? What kind of gags can we use? What kind of magic swords are we going to incorporate? So it's a lot of work, and like that was definitely my first time like cutting my teeth on story. Uh, but it was so much fun. Like I kind of see that job as like a first love um almost like it like we, we worked like long hours especially in the beginning because we were learning mm -hmm. but um we're really proud of the things we made especially season two which um unfortunately when it premiered they aired it at odd hours but i yeah. think like season two yeah i think season two like we were really hitting our stride I can I can only imagine. I have to know. Obviously, you know, for those that don't know, like one of the major gimmicks when it comes to ma the magic swords was the different swords that could be used, like on a different episode. So I have to know, like, with some of the scores, with some of the unique swords that were available, was there a personal favorite one that you had? Whether it's just what it does, or it was your favorite to draw. I'm okay. I got I got to go back into my memory banks. It's been it's been so long. 
There was one I like purely because of the design. It was called the Robo Tank Magisword. <laughs> it just looks like this cute little robot tank. And in the description, we had a PDF mm -hmm. of all the different Magiswords and what they do. And in the Robo Tank one, it just says, "I don't know." <laughs> like just the design, <laughs> just can do whatever with it. <laughs> so I use it. In this one episode where Heist and Van were the main characters, they're chasing this little creature around. It's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Mm -hmm. And so they shoot the Magisword at a toaster by accident, and it turns the toaster into, like, a robot tank. And they do, like, a whole, like, Terminator segment with it. There you go. That That's, <laughs> that's a good... I, I, I'm sorry, just hearing the whole entire, like, what does it do? I don't know. You figure it out. <laughs> I, I love that kind of more or less, like, freedom to just be creative, especially with such a unique world like that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and also, like, Kyle, like, he's he's super amazing, super funny guy, super creative. I remember um, when we are coming up with our own Magisaurs, it always encouraged us to go one step further. Like, one episode we're going to do the coconut magisword because of course we want that bonk sound effect whenever they get hit yes um and kyle was like let's take it one step further how's about like a coconut magisword so it's like a coconut but also a bird so it can like fly and have like wings or whatever if we need the coconut to do that very 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 creative uh, very creative if i do say so myself i didn't even think about that i'm trying to remember i don't remember if i saw the episode or not either way like that <laughs> goodness that's incredible to hear especially the the like i said going back to what i said before the creativity you were allowed to have with uh that show or whatnot and i imagine like you've had some other creative outlets uh creative opportunities with some of the other shows you got to work on especially with some of the independent stuff as well I, as i was going through i was able to see some of the stuff you were able to work on to help some of the uh indie projects out there really get their start really get going one of the ones i want to touch upon is one that i hold near and dear to me that's long gone gulch oh heck yeah <laughs> I have to know, like, what was the, what was your opportunity to work on that short and getting to, to work on that show or the the pilot at the very least? Right. So, um, I met Zach at an art show. It was, it was for a cartoonist named Sean Dickinson. He's like one of my favorite cartoonists. Like okay. everyone listening, you should look him up. He's amazing. He has kind of like this thirties, like, uh, Fleischer style, but like spooky too. Um, so I met Zach there and we just started following each other. And I think one time he told me about the pilot and I was like really interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, and they needed animators for it. And at the time I was on Magiswords, but I wanted to keep animating because like I didn't want to lose those chops, those animation chops. Because like the, the good thing about storyboarding is that it's like animation light. Like it's what we talked about earlier where it's like you're not doing every drawing, you're doing like the port ones. Right. But I still want to, you know, remember how to make things move. So um, I got to freelance some animation for Long Gone Gulch. I think I did like a couple minutes on it. Um, and I did that like on my weekends, uh, which I wouldn't do again now. But back then, uh, for such a cool project, I, I was more than happy to do it. I mean, especially seeing how stunning and gorgeous like that. The, the pilot alone that you know, we've seen or whatnot, just seeing the animation that kind of went to that and, like, whether it be just the the very fun, like, interactions or just, like, the action sequences more than anything else. Like, I can only imagine getting an opportunity to, like, seek your teeth into that project must have been, like, an experience on its own. Oh, heck yeah, yeah. And, like, dr drawing those characters and, like, Zack and Tara's style, it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. The only thing that was, like, tricky about it was everything was animated in Flash, which I never touched. Uh... So I was, yeah. And drawing in Flash, oh my god, it's so painful. Everything, <laughs> the, every line is so chunky. So I had to, like, um, 
figure out some weird backwards way of animating it in Toon Boom and exporting it into Flash. And okay. um, yeah, but it helped. But hey, it, it came out good in the end. So it, it really did. It really did. And like on top of working on that, you've also got to work independently with um, with Spindle Horse Tunes as well. With I think most significantly, you were one of the people that helped out with Holidays. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Holidays. Um, I mean, I loved working on that. So uh, that was actually a board driven short. Viv had an outline for what she wanted and the character designs of uh, the two leads. And so she gave me the short premise, you know, uh, there's a Christmas character, there's a Halloween character. They kind of have like a competition at one point, uh, but then they learn to love each other's holidays. And so with that premise, I just kind of went with it. I just I came up with a scenario, how we introduce the characters um how they meet i came up with that whole song sequence and like even in the board i timed that to the music and everything mm-hmm. so i boarded that whole thing i, I did it quick I, we, we had a really tight turnaround because we're trying to make it for christmas right right um yeah I, I did that in a couple weeks and the really satisfying thing was like a month later it was like a finished cartoon like her team of animators are just so next level and dedicated and amazing yeah goodness especially realizing that you t- what was it you said a month to get that short boarded or whatnot like that's that's incredible to hear like especially the turnaround for that especially seeing how how many different uh like little sequences and like interactions or whatnot in that short alone like i applause to you more than anything else to get that done <laughs> uh, thank you thank you luckily like so one thing that helped me with doing that is like um Viv's style, it's very graphic, mm-hmm. which so I can draw it really quick. Whereas something like Looney Tunes, which I was, I was working on at the time, mm-hmm. those characters take forever to draw because they're <laughs> dimensional. Like they have like head tilts and stuff. Like Bugs Bunny's face, it, like it takes longer to draw than like uh, his, his whole body or whatever. It's just uh, it's a lot of little intricacies that are difficult to track. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be the next point that I brought up because I imagine, especially considering what we talked about with the icebreaker question and some of the tunes that you, you know, got to, that you watched growing up when I, it had to be more or less a dream come true whenever they were bringing back the Looney Tunes, like cartoons and for you to get an opportunity to even work with these characters. How did that opportunity even come to be? And what was it like being in that, like being able to be a part of that? Oh my God. It really was a dream come true, especially because we were trying to do like the Bob Clampett style mm-hmm. Looney Tunes, like with Wacky, Daffy, and like Daffy and Porky together, and like the more shrewy bugs, which are like, you know, my favorite versions of those characters. And uh, the way that happened was I ran into Pete very briefly at Cartoon Network. And then um, like, like a year later, my friend Ryan, who was, he was a director at the time on um, Uncle Grandpa, he recommended me to Pete to uh, work on Looney Tunes. So uh, eventually I, I hopped on board and just started out a, a blast from there on then. It was, so, it was so much fun on Looney Tunes, but also like really stressful because it's like, oh my God, these are the pinnacle of cartoons. Like I have right. to like keep up that that energy, that spirit. And like I, I worked really hard to try and preserve that. It's like part of you wanted to make sure that you didn't like, <laughs> I guess in the back of your mind, think like, I don't want to tarnish the legacy. I want to make sure that these like in the modern day are as good as that golden era, if not better, like more than anything else. I can only imagine the stress or anxiety that came with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was that. And also like, we need to make these fresh. We need to make these Looney Tunes as surprising today as they were back then. Right. I, I don't, I don't know if you've seen this cartoon, but I think a good example of one that I did that's like that was uh, 
the, the April Fools one with Porky and Daffy. Have, did you see that one? Yes, yes. The the what was it like the it, practical practical jerk? If I remember with the yeah short practical song. jerk. Yeah, the, the name kept changing. It was like April Fowl for like the longest time. Um, <laughs> they should stuck yeah, with that like personally. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that one was. Um, because it starts off like a traditional Looney Tune, but then like it just gets dark and like it gets like a little yeah. too real, <laughs> and so like it's it's very surprising, and I know a lot of people like it because of that. I mean, it it certainly it it's if nothing else, like seeing the the work that went into those Looney Tune shorts or whatnot. I think you guys really did a as a team. You guys really did a good job keeping the essence of the original like golden era stuff, while also like keeping it fresh and surprising and fun for people to watch. I mean, you know, seeing how many people were able to, to really uh, enjoy that, you know, with uh, HBO Max and all stuff like that. So, yeah. I, yeah, there's still more cartoons coming out, so uh, keep an eye out for them as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They really should keep an eye out for that. But, I mean, I, I have to – I mean, I imagine you – yeah. Once again, words escape me. <laughs> huh. uh, no, it's, oh. I, it's incredible to know more or less, like – you get an opportunity to work with like incredible people, incredible animation so far. And I even got to some of the more recent stuff that you've done. I have to know, like just from what we've talked about so far, like thinking of that aspect of your art journey, like does it amaze you the aspects you're able to be a part of and like the opportunities you had at up to that point? Oh yes. Seriously. It's really surreal hearing words that I think in my head and hearing like Daffy duck and Porky pig saying them. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a trip. Yeah, no um, joke. <laughs> I think but also at the same time, it feels like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this is like what I dedicated my life to. This is like every like decision and cartoon that I've watched just kind of like led up to this. That's a good that's a good mentality to have more than anything else. Like having those cool opportunities like that. And I imagine the opportunities kept going, especially whenever you you left the Cartoon Network nest with some of the stuff that we talked about and went towards Nickelodeon to work on at least one of the shows that I thought about, and that was Middlemost Post. Now, I've only indulged with this, I think, with one other guest on the podcast before, if I remember correctly. So I have to know, like, what was your experience working on that show? Because if I thought, you know, Mighty Magic Sword was incredible, uh, like unique creative world like middlemost post is like right up there when it comes to like just the creativity that that show exudes more than anything else oh thank you dude i love working on middlemost that, w- that was my pandemic show like i worked on that uh... throughout all the <laughs> yeah so so with middlemost what happened with that was i knew john trabic because i worked on spongebob a little bit and okay. I, I got to know him from there um and so looney tunes were kind of like wrapping up um sort of wrapping up because we're, we're waiting for the the movie the the, the porky and daffy movie to be greenlit but it was taking too long right um but then john was like hey i want you on my show and i'm like oh, oh okay i gotta make a decision now <laughs> and um at the time I, i've only worked on board driven shows and board driven is great because i get to come up with a lot of stuff but it's also like carrying a massive weight on her shoulder the whole time right um Middlemost, it's script-driven, but they wanted board-driven people to come on to kind of, like, you know, change things up a little bit. Okay. Like, keep things visual, you know, if you have a better idea for a line or for, like, you know, a funnier idea for Parker to, like, uh, mess with this one character or whatever, you could do that. Um, So, ultimately, I decided... Also, (laughs) I I decided to go to Nickelodeon for that, because John Travis is awesome, and also because... 
I really wanted to participate in the Nickelodeon Smash tournaments that they do. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Again, it all it all comes back to Nintendo. It all goes it's back good. to that. I mean, I um, that's a good benefit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, like, yeah, I started working on it, and I had a blast. Um, I My director was Megan Boyd, who is amazing, and you should have her on the show as well. Um, Open invitation. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she she was really great. We made some funny cartoons. Um, I worked on it for two seasons. And uh, yeah, then I went to Patrick shortly after that. Okay. Okay. I mean, either way, like, especially, you know, thinking back to, you know, working with John, but also, like, just the show itself, Venomous Post. Again, like... I, it's it's such uh I, I i take a shot every time i say this it's such a unique environment it's such a, a fun show with like you know unique rules more than anything else and like the interactions you know that come with that like is there from your work on uh minimum post was there a particular moment or a particular episode that is your like nearest dear to you like or a personal favorite moment from it okay one of my episodes that i boarded on it was called um ranch on the side okay. it's an episode where or parker main character the little cloud guy he uh tries ranch dressing for the first time and he falls in love with it and he <laughs> has like a whole like wedding with it he has a honeymoon with it but like then the ranch starts like going bad and it's like a parody of like a relationship going bad and i just love this emotional journey that the character goes through over a freaking bottle of (laughs) and those are the kind of stories I really love to tell where it's a ridiculous silly premise but there is like emotion to it there is like a relatability to it there is like oh you can kind of relate this to like indulging in something too much or you can relate this to like a relationship you've had with like a significant other or or, like a, a friend going bad and it just, to me, those were like where the best stories kind of come from. Like, just an emotional core with silly, goofy cartooniness, like, wrapped around it. Absolutely. And I have to say, probably one of the saddest moments of Nickelodeon food based comedy since, what was it, when SpongeBob was trying to keep the, the perfect Krabby Patty uh, together for the longest time or whatnot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that tore, tore the heartstrings, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Heck but, yeah. But I'm the most, I remember, like, Kind of the mantra for the show is that for every laugh, there should be a tear because like it's a silly, you know, sometimes gross show, but there's still like an emotional core amongst the three right. main characters, Parker, Angus and Russell. And like that, that to me, like, I don't know if you've ever seen my um, student short film. I don't um, think I have. I feel, I feel so. I, I'm sorry. I, I did not get a chance to find that. I was that's on me. I apologize for that. Okay. Um, Check it out. It's called My Hair Lady. It's somewhere deep in my Twitter. I should post a youtube link to it or something um but it it was a a short about this uh sasquatch girl who falls in love with a lumberjack okay but she's afraid to approach him because like she's too hairy Mm. and um i I don't want to spoil the ending but you know somehow they get together but like it's a very silly premise but it kind of came from when i was a teenager i was like a super hairy dude Okay. So, like, I was afraid that, you know, people would be weirded out by that. Um, but I was able to kind of take that and turn it into a cartoon and, like, be more accepting of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can see, I can see how you can have that kind of personal connection inserted into that, especially with, like, with the student 
short, but also like you know, you're talking about with Millmost Post, for every laugh there should be a tear. I can only imagine, especially with a show like that, correct me if I'm wrong, was it easier or was it hard for you to really like put your full emotion into a show like that? Oh, I, I think it, it was easier. Um, well, let me put it this way. Like, I feel like with a lot of the cartoons I've worked on, there's kind of like two different types of storytelling. Mm-hmm. There's there's cartoons that are just focused on the gags. Like, oh, Daffy tries repeatedly to um, get this pie off the window cell. Or there are ones kind of like with an emotional arc to them, kind of like the ranch one I just talked about. And for me those ones are kind of easier to do the emotional arc ones because i can get more in the head of the character um i can find you know things that have happened to me in the past and kind of put it in the character which which for me is great because i uh it's my day job but i really get to be creative and expressive in what i'm doing right um and the gag kind of cartoons those are great but in some way they're harder it's almost like math because it's like you have to figure out like okay how do i make this joke funny how do I set it up? How do I pay it off? Um, and it, it, I love kind of like going between the two though. Cause they kind of like help reinforce each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can only imagine, especially with, you know, what you say, kind of getting into the head of the characters and whatnot. I imagine it was probably easier to do it with some of your most recent work. And that is working on the Patrick show. Um, <laughs> see what I did there. Um, <laughs> no, I, how did the opportunity come for you to work on a show like the Patrick show? Okay, so Middlemost was ending, and uh, around that time, the Patrick Show got a new showrunner, which was Kenny Pittenger. He's an amazing dude. He has been on, uh, it was worked on the OG SpongeBob. His first job was on Cat Dog, which like came out the same year as Banjo Kazooie. So of course I was eating that up as well. <laughs> um, Understandable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Uh, so he was my director on Looney Tunes cartoons. So I worked a lot with him. Okay. He's like the sweetest guy. Like I could, I consider him a good friend. Um, and Middlemost was wrapping up. So he asked if I wanted to be on the Patrick show. And I told him like around that time, I was really like hungry to become a director. Ooh. And so, yeah. So a storyboard director position opened up on Patrick. And um, luckily he was able to uh, cleanly bring me aboard. Nice. That is incredible to hear more than anything else. Now, I have to, I have to personally ask, because as someone that is outside the industry, I, have, I didn't realize that there was a director for storyboards alone. So if I may ask, especially on The Patrick Show, what is your position? Like, how, how, how do you go about directing the storyboards? Is it one of those, like, you set up storyboards, or do you help others, like, kind of get an idea how to cohesively tell the story in a board series show like this? Okay, so for every show, like, the storyboard director position is different. Okay. Because this one is board-driven, it's very different. So the way it works is um, me and my board artist, who in this case is, is Mike Polinski, who I actually worked with on Mighty Magiswords. Okay. We get our outline, and we split up the board. Like, I'll board half, he boards half. And I have to just constantly, like, make sure what he's doing tracks with what I'm doing mm-hmm. and just always be looking at the big picture of the rough board to make sure that the story works, all the gags work, you know, we have our callbacks, all that stuff. Okay. Okay. That, that makes sense. Especially with, I can only imagine like, especially with a show like the Patrick show, which is a little bit more, you know, loose and fun, especially with some of the concepts that you've been able to execute with that show. I imagine that, uh, it's been unique kind of really having those scenarios more or less like play out. If I may say so myself. Oh, 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 for sure, for sure. The way I kind of think of, like, especially the board-driven pa- 
Patrick Show episodes are kind of like Porky and Daffy cartoons okay. in terms of the gag, where like we can get really like silly and surreal with it, but it still always comes from character. It always comes from like you know Patrick's you know dumbness and how that or his hunger or whatever needs to motivate that story. Absolutely, I can only imagine again with a, a fun little show like this. Like I. Yeah, I know you mentioned, you know, working uh, on SpongeBob here a little bit or whatnot, but getting an opportunity to work with Patrick, I know it may not be the same as, like, a, a Bugs or uh, Daffy or Porky or whatnot, but it has to be surreal, because I imagine, like, you know, especially you saying, you know, growing up around, like, the, the 90s or whatnot, you know, SpongeBob really being an integral part at, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like, was it incredible mm-hmm. to know that you get a chance to work with a character like Patrick and really bring that to life? Oh, heck yeah, because, you know, like, SpongeBob, like, the original series, like, it, it was such an imprint on me and like our whole culture mm-hmm. and like it really taught me comedy just like watching that growing up um so it was really is like an honor to kind of like continue that legacy with patrick and uh patrick is number one in children's rating show or whatever so it, it's, it's coming for that spongebob he's <laughs> called patrick star for a reason he was always the star yep patrick sweep baby patrick sweep <laughs> patrick show sweep <laughs> it, it's funny that like i yeah i'm getting that chance to talk to someone that's actually you know, directing episodes of the Patrick show. I remember there was not too long ago, uh, a while ago, I appeared on a different podcast right when the Patrick show was about to premiere or whatnot. And I remember, mm-hmm. like, I remember saying, uh, cause the, the, the host had asked me, you know, what, you know, you're a person that loves animation. You love SpongeBob or whatnot. Like, what do you think of the Patrick show? And I'm like, I was at the time I was like, I'm willing to give it a chance because more than anything else, like it looks like a lot of fun. And so far what I have been able to see with the Patrick show, it just looks like fun. It just looks like just incredible fun, you know, nonsensical, like fantasy family entertainment more than anything else yeah no it's like it's all the silly goofiness of spongebob just like ramped up to 11 yes and um we can do a lot of cool things with it because there's a patrick has like this time closet thing so there's like time travel elements and we change up like the style of the show a bit and the whole idea of the show is that it's kind of from patrick's perspective so things are weirder some characters might act stupider um so, so we can we just have this wonderful sandbox to play with absolutely i mean it, it, i can only imagine you know especially the fact that you know like you were saying you know getting the opportunity to work on the this fun little sandbox and getting these cool opportunities or whatnot i can only imagine like it, it, you know going back to the previous question like some of the moments you've been able to really go from your mind onto paper or animation in this case and really bring to reality is there a moment or is there an episode from the patrick show that you've been a part of that you're either like is your personal favorite or that you're most proud of that you're able to execute it to perfection oh god i don't know if i can really talk about that too much because like none of none of my episodes have come out yet uh, I, think fair, they will. <laughs> I think they will soon mm-hmm. and i'll keep it at that but i think the good stuff at least for me like like me and my, my board team i think it gets really better by like our second or third episode like the first episode that i did i did it like in a week because oh, wow. um I, I roughed up the whole thing in a week because we were because i got hired right before christmas oh so oh, i lovely. was like <laughs> yeah so i was like i don't want to forget all this stuff right before christmas break so just like busting my butt and like rough the whole thing out in a week um and it's a fun episode it's, it's a real good one but i think after that once we get into our stride we're like I, I think we're firing all cylinders by then okay you know what that's awesome to hear more than anything like you know i imagine it's like that with just about any sort of production like once you really get comfortable and know more or less how far you can go with something or whatnot it has to be it has to be, it has to be just fun to really get to execute it 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it, it's like, it's always a learning process. Every board has like different challenges, like some boards, like, like again, going back to that gag-driven or emotional thing, you have to kind of figure out, okay, what kind of episode is this one? Is this, who's at stake? Is Patrick at stake or is Squidina at stake? Um, what is like, the main point of the episode how can we squeeze the most comedy out of this premise mm -hmm. and just like a lot of questions you got to ask yourself and as you keep doing them you get better at uh asking those questions absolutely absolutely i can only imagine like the the opportunities you've had like at nickelodeon but just as a whole when you're thinking back to just your entire animation journey like does it amaze you how far you've been able to come along to the point to where you're now being the director for a character that was you know part of your cultural identity growing up Oh man, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> the reality of that will hit me once I see like a segment of the Patrick show that I boarded in a commercial saying coming up next Patrick show and you see like 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 uh one of my scenes in that ad or something like it hasn't hit me yet because I'm I'm just working on the thing it's just like I'm just the right. day to day but I think once I see it I'll be like oh <laughs> I mean sure. like. I, I had that realization, I remember, on Looney Tunes when um, I did this one Looney Tunes short. It features Bugs Bunny and this character that we just called the Russian Hound. who mm -hmm. was like in one Bob Clamp and Bugs Bunny cartoon, and he's very distinct because he talks like this, and he goes, how do you do? Like, you <laughs> might remember the character from that. And, like, uh, I boarded that, and I never saw the animation for it when the cartoon finally came out. And I saw that was real. Like, I almost choked up a little bit because I'm like, oh, my God, it's an actual thing. Like, all, all that hard work, like, paid off. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, as someone that's like an outsider for this industry, like, I can only imagine, you know, especially like you were saying, like, having, you know, being around these characters, like, growing up, really seeing, you know, how much of an impact they left on you. And then being able to turn around and basically create them to eventually potentially, like, leave an impact on someone else. Like, I can understand why you'd be choked up more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know, you're you. You know, last time I checked, you're still working on the Patrick show. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're still going strong. We're yep. Still going strong. Absolutely. I'm like, out of all the jobs I've had, though, I gotta say, like, I think I think I enjoy being on the Patrick show the most. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I say that because like I reached a point where like um, I don't want to be like, oh, I know what I'm doing, but like I'm like I reached a point where it's like I I kind of know what I'm doing, like. Uh, the storytelling just comes easier to me. These are characters that I grew up with, so I find them like you know easy to write because they're just like in my voice. Right. Um. So like I'm always having a good time, and everyone likes what we're doing. I just have really good work-life balance on this show compared to like every other show I've been on. Um. And you know we're, we're making good stuff, and everyone's having a good time, and everyone on the crew is like super super nice. Absolutely, absolutely. I imagine part of that work-life balance is trying to make sure that you destroy your competition with the Nickelodeon Smash tournaments. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm, I'm still. I gotta, I gotta set that up because like the main guy who used to set it up, he's not there anymore. Okay. So like, someone has to do it. And like, um, at work every week, me and my coworkers on Thursday we play Smash during lunch. Okay. We'll just try to outbest each other. I imagine you have to personally take up the mantle. And make an example of your casting of the casting crew. Let them know there is a reason why I'm the one hosting this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they happen in the summer, so like I need to I need to get the dominoes in effect, man. I got I got to figure this out. It needs to happen. As as long as you ensure that for the because I remember for one year, whenever I I think someone released it afterwards like the the cartoon like 
uh, what was it? The, or maybe someone else would like the crossover that someone had with like Nickelodeon characters being dressed up as like the, uh, the, the smash characters or whatnot. You just got to make sure that you make sure you get yourself dressed up as King K rule for whatever poster or whatnot for uh, it. <laughs> of course. I, what I'm probably going to do is draw the DLC characters as Nickelodeon characters. Oh, there you go. There you go. I can only imagine who would be the, the, the Banjo Kazooie like stand-ins for those. Hmm. Someone suggested the characters from, uh, that that new pony show i forget the name of it um like what's up pony or something but another one i was thinking was there's an episode of middlemost post or parker turns into a bear so maybe that that would work (laughs) there you go have his bear and have have russell be the basically the the kazooie for that one just a big giant seal instead of a bird (laughs) or wars instead of a bird there you go (laughs) i mean you know i I, just getting to talk to you, I'm you know right now. This has been already just like surreal. Getting to more or less like peer into someone that has had a hand in so many incredible stuff and so many amazing things. Like I have to know, like it, you know, you said you're you. When it comes to the Patrick show, like you, it's awesome the job you're getting to do right now. But is there like maybe a potential like dream opportunity that you know you would love to see like realistically, like you know being the helm of like a certain show or whatnot? Okay, um, I don't know if it's realistic or not, but like. Like goddamn, I don't want a banjo cartoon. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's fair. Like, it needs to happen, and like I feel like no one else is doing it, so I'm like, goddamn, I need to step up to the mantle and do something about it. You know what? That's understandable. In fact, I'll tell you what. That might lead to my next question, if I may, and I want to give you, Gabe, more or less the dream scenario, if I may. Let's say I am Big Shot Mr. Moneybags. I get to come up to you and I'm like, look, Gabe, we see the work that you've had a hand in. We see your fingerprints and all these different cartoons, and we know you can do some incredible stuff. Just need that little extra push, little motivation, more or less a platform to really get that stuff going. We have access to anyone and everyone in whatever industry possible, and more money than there should be possible. We could probably be funding so many more animated projects. We'll probably do that as well. But for now, we're focusing on you and you alone. If given this opportunity, what would be the Dream Gabe project? And why would it just be a Banjo Kazooie cartoon with 20 seasons? <laughs> <laughs> it's just because, like, because, um, you know, I've worked on a lot of great characters, you know, like Bugs Bunny, Patrick, and stuff. And, like, Banjo, although he's a video game character, he would feel so at home. And I feel like the timing is just right because you've had people grow up with Banjo Kazooie mm-hmm. and you have a new generation. Uh, the knows about him because of Smash and because of the game on Switch. And we're in this era right now where we're doing so many video game adapt- adaptations. Like, you know, I've been watching Last of Us. The Mario movie is on the horizon, and I'm, like, yeah. chomping at the bit for that. <laughs> um, and, like, I don't want Banjo to be left in the dust. Like, there's so much potential there. Um, right. So I hope that Microsoft can see that and that, you know, hopefully I can be involved with that somehow. Absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, (laughs) it seems like at least when it comes to your journey that I've at least noticed is getting an opportunity to work with just like incredible characters and like really getting a chance to give them more or less like a, a, an interesting twist and a new fun, uh, lifeline more than anything else. I imagine like an opportunity to work on like a Banjo Kazooie show or even like a Banjo Kazooie movie or something like that. Uh, I can only I wish I, <laughs> like I I just only imagine like the opportunity that you can have to really like bring that to not only like bring it to life but give it the justice that the old games like like the old games like gave in the first place like given that kind of nostalgic like love that people fell in love with in the first place. 
Yeah, I want I want more people to feel that. Like, I hope if I do get to make it, that's that's what they feel from it. Absolutely, and you know, I, I I meant to ask this a little sooner, but I mean, like going back to like all these different opportunities that you've had getting to work on such products or whatnot, I can only imagine like on top of that, the people you've gotten to meet along the way, and like the the coworkers or like even the people that you've you met because of like opportunities or whatnot, like that has to be one of the most surreal aspects of working in this industry for you. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it it really is. It's like at first, it's like oh my god, these people are like legendary. Oh, well, then like you get to know them and they become friends and it's great. And, you know, they, they put on their pants like everyone else does. <laughs> I, I, I've had several stories from other people about, you know, meeting certain animators or certain people. whatnot. Is there a, a moment for you that, you know, even with the realization of, yeah, they put on your pants, like, you know, uh, they, I, yeah, they put on their pants, like everyone else or whatnot. Is there one that still kind of hits you? Like, Oh my God, I actually got an opportunity to, to, to meet this person. I got an opportunity to work with this person. We, we work together to create such and such. Like, has there been a moment like that for you on this animation journey so far? Okay. I, I have a funny story for that. Okay. So when I was in college, I took a master class with Eric Goldberg. It was the Ooh. animator for, for Genie. Um, God, what else did he do? He did so many things. He did, did Phil from Hercules. I think all the almost like all the wacky characters from like the nineties and two thousands movies. Like right. he animated them. He's still at Disney today. He's like their their sole two D animator. He, he's a legend. Yes. Um, and so we did a film in the master class, and um, so when when we finish up the film, uh, there was gonna be screening at his house. Ooh. And we went to his house. It was, was going to be a big party. And, like, all the Disney greats were there. There was, like, Andreas Deja, who did, like, Scar, Glenn Keane, who I'm sure that everyone listens to this podcast knows who that is. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the people there, one other person who was there was Jonan Vasquez, okay. the guy who made Invader Zim. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow, I did not expect him to be here. So it was just kind of, like, super surreal seeing, like, all this talent in one place. I can only imagine. I mean, even then, like for you, you said that was like back in college. Like I asked now that you've had a, a f more than a foot in the door and got a chance to really work in this experience. If you got to meet the people like that, like nowadays, would you just be like, Hey, what's up? It's awesome. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> no, they're still like, they're still guys. <laughs> Valid, valid. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, the people I get to meet on a weekly basis on this podcast, like I, I still like hold a lot, a lot of love and admiration for just about everyone that I get to talk to on this podcast. So hearing that, you know, you'd be like that with obviously the gods of animation, more or less. I, I relate. I completely understand. Ah, <laughs> uh, goodness. Uh, is is there a animator that? you may have not had opportunity to work with yet, but you would just also like to like, you know, chomp at the bit and eventually get a chance to like work alongside them. Just say, I worked with such and such. Let me think about that one. Um, my first thought was Jorge. So I'd love to work with him. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Cause I worked with a lot of cool people <laughs> right now. I think for now I'm gonna yeah for now I'm just gonna say Jorge, mm -hmm. um, but I, I, if I ever really think about it I'm sure I could come up with more. I mean that's fair. I mean to be fair, I mean you, there how many incredible people in animation just a chance to work with any one of them is gotta be a dream on its own. I mean yeah. <laughs> Let me put it this way: like kind of my goal as an animation professional is I just want to keep working on cartoony stuff. Like that's like go. my goal till like the the day I croak or retire or whatever. 
like um i'm very thankful that we're in this time period right now where cartoony cartoons are like cool again like you know we have like cuphead and animaniacs reboot and looney tunes so kind of all thank for that um and i hope this uh i hope it's not a trend i hope it just this is just like the status quo for the next 40 years or so that like cartoony cartoons are always going to have their place i mean i i'd like to think that they at least have a place to stay especially nowadays especially seeing you know how many different avenues and how many different ways to consume the cartoony cartoonies and such like i i I personally don't see it going anywhere i i hope i'm i hope i'm right i hope i'm right with that statement (laughs) but yeah yeah i mean I, i imagine like if nothing else like if it's not just like do the cartoons it's like through the different avenues that people get to showcase that love and support for the cartoons or whatnot, you know, whether it be like just, you know, watching these animations, stuff like that, you know, producing like video essays or, you know, YouTube videos, stuff like that, or even just like how people like introduce themselves when it comes to streams and stuff like that. I know you've recently been getting into stream streaming as well. What interests you about being a part of that? Okay. So streaming. So especially during the pandemic, um, like, cause you know, we're just home all day right. and it sucks. And like, I can't talk to people about Banjo-Kazooie or cartoons, so I'm slowly going insane. <laughs> so I uh, discovered Twitch and I found like other people who like to talk about those things as well, like on stream and stuff. And then after a while, I was like, you know, maybe I should give this a shot. And then I learned about like PNG tubers and yep. stuff. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, I could like animate my own little guy and I can have him say things and do things. And so uh, I came up with this little uh, gator character, the little icon I have. And um, the whole idea for him is that he's going to be like a sewer gaming gator. So I'm going to have <laughs> this layout that looks like, like a sewer and I'm going to play like Mario and banjo music. that's like sewer themed and like for like like um, notifications and stuff, I'm going to have like zombie goldfish pop out of pipes and like little poop characters and stuff like that. <laughs> There's a lot to play within like the sewer theme. Um, and so what I've been doing lately is uh, just streaming with friends, playing video games. I did a Smash stream last night. It was a, a lot of fun. I can't talk and play Smash. So thank God he was there. <laughs> <laughs> I just go into like epic gamer mode. Yeah. Sorry. So like, I'm just like, I'm doing math equations, playing this game, trying to like get all the spacing right and all that stuff. Um, yes. And I've also been doing art streams, which have been like super fun. Like I'll, I'll do lately, I've just been like sketching for people. Uh, and it's super fun and like as a board artist it's super cool because like I just love doing like quick loose sketches so right. someone will suggest something and then just kind of whip it out and then like move on to the next thing absolutely I was going to say like it's incredible to know that you've been able to dip your toes with the PNG tuber space or whatnot because I'm someone that talks a lot of VTubers and PNG tubers or whatnot so hearing that like you're get- dipping into that I'm just thinking to myself oh I could introduce you to so many people if you really want to <laughs> yeah that would be great because I'm learning all this stuff, so I'm trying to talk to people. Like, like people like Duper's been helping me out, and Penny yes. Lopey, you know her. Like, there's it's a great community. Like, everyone's super cool. I'm hoping to do more like um like joint streams with people. Like, I did the first one last night with my friend um Aaron. It was by Aaron's mind. Um, last night with Smash. Um, but yeah, it's been great, and like I hope to keep it up. It's just it's scheduling it is tricky. Yeah. That's the only thing. Um, but like so far so good. That so far so good. I mean, I imagine it has to be kind of hard to kind of do a scheduling because you know you're working in animation. It's kind of hard to really balance that sometimes. I can only imagine. So I, there's a handful of people who work in animation who also have VTubers. I should, I need to hit them up and see like how they handle it. I know, I, I know, I know of a few people off the top of my head that I've got, that I've either known because I've gotten to talk to them or because I've gotten 
uh, people in the VTuber community that are friends with those animators or whatnot. There's a good co- again. There's a good couple that I can introduce you to if you really want to go down that path. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and another reason why I got into PNG uh, tubering is because um, I, again, going back to like wanting to keep my animation chops up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to work weekends on animation freelance anymore. Like, you know, my work life balance is very important. Right. Like, without it, I can't do a bit of my job. Um, but with PNG tubing, I get to animate for myself. So I don't have to worry about deadlines as much. Um, I can just kind of do things in a looser style if I want to, or, um, so it just gives me freedom to keep those chops up, but not having to like worry about the pressure of a deadline and just have fun with it. There you go. There you go. It's a good mentality to have. Uh, especially like finding that good work-life balance. I mean, it's, it's always vital and it's always important, especially for an industry like this. Um, yeah, I kind of have this rule with myself that I try not to draw on the weekends. Like, I know people are like, oh, draw every day. But I find that, like, if I don't draw for two days, I draw better on the third day. Well, there you go. There you go. It's a good mentality to have. That is a good mentality to have. But going back to the dream project, you know, question I asked earlier, whatnot. Sadly, we do got to get down from that dream scenario. And we got to get back to reality. And I have to ask the ever so generic question, Gabe. Where do you hope to see yourself, say, five to ten years from now? I mean, you've been able to to get this far doing so many incredible stuff. Where do you hope to see yourself in the short-term future? Uh, 20 seasons of Banjo Show in a movie. Okay, that's a good, <laughs> no, t- a good start. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I hope um, I'm continuing to direct storyboards and whatever cartoony show is out at the time. Poss- possibly Patrick show. We'll, we'll see. I hope it lasts a long time. Um. I want to like build up my streaming community more. Okay. Um, I want to like, I'm at that point where like, I want to start like helping to teach people things like, um, I've I'm even been like trying to organize like a, how to storyboard for board driven shows guide. Like I'm hope I'm hoping by then it'll be done. Okay. And I, I can sell that. Um, hoping to, st- I'm, I'm trying to start a web comic. Um, like I introduced some characters like over my Twitter, you might've seen them. Um, so I'm trying to do something with them. So hopefully by then that'll be fleshed out. Um, definitely be married by then. There you <laughs> uh, go. That's on the way. Um, do, 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 do. I think what else? Uh, th- this is like, okay, let's just say like none of that happens. Like one thing I'd like to do is open up like kind of like a small studio okay. and like help out on any projects. That's a good thing to like, strive for. Yeah, kind of like like take pitches from people and help people with their any projects because there's so many amazing things being made today. And like, if I am successful enough and in a place where I can help other people, I, I would really love to do that. Those are all wonderful goals to aspire for more than anything else. And I sincerely hope you get to achieve most, if not all of them. Because, I mean, especially hearing kind of the, the love and passion you've had for this industry, like throughout this entire journey or whatnot. Like I know that whatever you do next short term or whatnot, or even long term, I know you're going to continue to have that love and support into it. It's going to be an incredible job because that love and support is going to be on full blast no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate hearing that, but thank you. <laughs> um, so as we start to wind down the interview, I just have one last question that I want to ask. Obviously, you've been deeply entrenched in art for as long as you can remember, even before you even realized how deeply entrenched you were when it comes to art. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Oh, my God. It's so important. Okay, so we're not saving lives, but we're, like, making life. Like, you know, we 
produce things that you know everyone consumes on the regular basis we, we, we make things that you know life is worth living I, I think all kinds of art not just like animation and cartoons but even like weird modern art and museums yeah. and stuff like it's just um it, it's just wonderful that we live in a world where there's all different kinds of art for people to consume and discuss and to bond over i, th I think that's a big thing too because art can create community it can create like uh long-lasting friendships and stuff um, it can really bring people together or so um, it's it's really important, I think. And, you know, I, I want to get to a point where I can like help, um, you know, the next generation and stuff. That is a wonderfully worded and a good thing to aspire for more than anything else. If I do say so, um, Gabe, that is all the questions that I have for you. Um, I have, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I want to show you a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do what I want. Um, uh, <laughs> look, I'll, I'll gladly take it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because you're going to accept it. Anyways, no, uh, Gabe, whenever uh, Tipsy Jelly, whenever uh, she told me that you were more than that you wanted to hop on the podcast, I couldn't help but get a little bit excited because, again, I've been seeing some of your stuff uh, on Twitter or whatnot, and I've been seeing the, the stuff you're able to, to have a hand in really getting to go all in and research on you or whatnot. I didn't realize how much you actually did have a hand in and how much you've been able to really – make reality like so many fun interesting scenarios whether it be original stuff like the mighty magic sword or like stuff that people have come to know and love like looney tunes and patrick show or whatnot uh getting the chance to really sit down and talk to with to you or not i i already had a good level of respect just seeing what you've been able to do but i have a whole new level of love and respect knowing the amount of love and passion that you have for just animation and art and all this different kind of stuff like knowing the stuff that you knowing how much effort you're putting into this stuff is admirable more than anything else and i appreciate that there are incredible people like you in the animation industry really telling those stories and really like providing a good fun time for whoever wants to sit down and watch whether it be just you know silly gags that's a good laugh at the end of the day or like stuff that has a good bit of heart behind it a good bit of emotion to go along with it it i it for whatever you do next, I know it's going to be absolutely incredible. And if I wasn't rooting for you before, I'm definitely going to be one of the people with the foam finger, like rooting for you for every single step away for whatever you get the chance to do, because I know you're going to knock it out of the park every single time. Thank you for what you do. Keep up the awesome work and keep doing incredible stuff. Oh my God. You're going to make me tear up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just being honest, man. It, it, it's, it's been an honor to get to even talk to you. Like, seriously, thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. It was really nice to kind of like, you know, smill, spill my brain all over this podcast for a bit. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I have to get the mop again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. For those who may be curious on the stuff that you're that I've been talking about and want to also show that love and support for you that I'm giving to you right now, go ahead and plug your stuff for the people at home. Okay, so most social media, I go by GADWORKS, G-A-D, WORKS. Um, on Twitter, I'm Gabe Del Art because GADWORKS is taken by, like, some defunct Japanese gasoline company. Oh, that's um, Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can find me through there. I'm most active on Twitter, but I also use Instagram, and I'm getting back into Tumblr a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, seeing the burning pile that is, you know, Twitter. Yeah, I could, I could see at least delving into that. <laughs> it's still a ghost town, though. I gotta say, but hey, we'll we'll see what happens like a year from now or so. Absolutely. And you know, hey, you know, you're talking about you know the PNG tubing or whatnot. If people want to see some of your streams or whatnot, where where can they go? 
Okay, so twitch.tv slash gadworks. Mm -hmm. um, I, I stream most of the time on weekdays, like around like six or seven. Um, so you can kind of, I'll post on my Twitter the day of I stream because it kind of depends day by day. I don't have like a schedule yet. Right, right. But um, yeah, just, just know most of the time is going to be like six or seven. It's like right after I'm getting off of work. Absolutely. And, you know, if you miss any links or whatnot, I'll be sure to have them in the description below to make sure that people can show you that love and support. Um, do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, if you're an aspiring artist, keep doing what you do. Um, love what you do. Learn from everyone, but follow no one. That's that's a big piece of art advice I always give. Um find what um you enjoy the most or the most naturally good at and hone in on that as well there we go that is wonderfully worded and a wonderful way to end the podcast with that all i have left to say is for the people at home hasta luego mi amigos ciao Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I greatly do appreciate you sticking up to this point. Uh, when uh, Tipsy was gracious enough to make the connection with me and Gabe to make this happen, I cannot tell you how excited I was for this. Like, knowing, uh, hearing of Gabe before and seeing what uh, they've been able to have a hand in, like, it was an incredible little, like, behind-the-scenes look to... To see a truly incredible career right now, like it's it, it's amazing, Gabe. If you're listening up to this point, I'm genuinely amazed and honored to have talked to someone that has worked on so many incredible projects, done so many incredible things, worked around so many incredible people. It was a true treat to be able to to talk with you today. You know, like that's the thing that always amazes me more or less about the podcast. You know, as I think back several times over I cannot tell you the amount of times I always get the well how did you get such and such on the podcast I, I mean I got my simple answer if I ask but it still amazes me to this day I'm able to to, to meet so many incredible people and consider myself friends with so many more um, seriously I know I, I have said it a million different times but thank you guys sincerely for sticking along this this weird winding road of a podcast journey and really allowing me to to have these opportunities. Really allowing me to showcase these opportunities to you guys, I should say. I you know, I get imposter syndrome a good bit of the time, I'll be honest. You know, do do I really do I really have the rights to be talking to this person? Like, am I really worthy of their time, out of their day to 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 talk to them or whatnot? Am I putting forth that good of an effort or whatnot? But I, I know they're just thoughts. 
at the end of the day, I am putting forth an incredible effort. I am putting the time and effort to really get to know these people. And I'm having just some great, genuine conversations. And I cannot thank you guys enough for rolling with me on this silly little journey. I mean, obviously, I'm not slowing down anytime soon. You should wait to hear some of the episodes I got planned in the pipeline. There's some cool guests coming on here, guys. There's some fun people at the end of the day. I'll keep it short today. And I'll leave you guys with this fun little... Well, I'm not going to say fun. I'll, I'll leave you guys with these parting words. Never take what you do for granted. You guys have so many incredible opportunities and are doing such incredible stuff. Don't ever take that for granted. <laughs>